Here we go back again with another episode of the Around the Show Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kyle Showalter, and tonight I'm joined once again by the full crew. We got Brandon Mills on the left. We got Christian Hosfield on the right. Christian, we missed you last week. Glad to have you back, buddy. You guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Doing well. I mean, I don't think there's any reason for us to delay this. Uh, it's great to have you back. Let's just jump right into it. Yeah, Obviously, back, it's been a loud past 24 hours in the Woo! sports world as of the time of us recording this. Gotta love it. Uh, it is March 9th, Wednesday at about 5.30 p.m. There's been no deal made on the CBA. MOB has canceled another series of games. We're going to go ahead and take a week off of that like the owners took 41 days off from negotiating. Just go ahead and push over to the NFL news. And boys, Russell Wilson is a Denver Bronco. Bang! That's huge, man. It's... <laughs> It's the biggest move we've seen at, uh, at one of these positions in yeah. years. George, I can't remember the last time a quarterback of this caliber has moved. George Patton did a, uh, a great job landing him. Um, he's still got some good years of rest left, you know, assuming he stays healthy. I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, the AFC West looks absolutely amazing. That's going to be some fun football to watch. Yeah, the, the details of the trade before we go any further, uh, Russell Wilson in a fifth-round pick was sent along for – excuse me, Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick was sent along with – uh, to Denver for two first round picks, two second round picks, and a fifth round pick. Yeah. And then also a young, controllable quarterback and a rookie deal, a great young tight end, and then also Shelby Harris. I mean, it's a it's an incredible haul for an incredible quarterback. It really feels like a win-win, I would say. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, besides the quarterback situation, we're going to see what Seattle's going to do about that now. Um, but that's not what I'm focused on. I'm happy for Russ. I'm a I'm happy he's out of the NFC West for one. Let's get that clear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's uh, he's moving on. You could, I guess, you can kind of tell he he wanted out towards the end there. Um, I thought he was going to stay. I thought they were going to make something happen happen in Seattle. But uh, good for him, man. I wish him luck. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely more so want to focus on the Denver side just because Seattle sucks. They were yeah. bad last year with Russ. They're going to be worse without him. But. Yeah. Moving on, moving forward with them, you know, they're going to probably play, do one more year with Pete Carroll and then move on from him. Uh, Schneider, the GM there, he's I think he has gotten assurances or he wouldn't have traded, traded Russ away that he's going to be the guy who gets to stay there and rebuild that whole organization. But definitely the more interesting, at least short-term perspective that we want to look at is definitely going to be Denver. That is a team, man. Yeah, We've been saying it for the last two off-seasons. Last year, oh, is Aaron going to go there? This off-season, it was, oh, is Aaron going to go there? They turned up getting Russ, which they said was their primary uh, their primary target all along, which I don't buy one bit. No. When Aaron Rodgers is available and Russell Wilson's available, you go with Aaron Rodgers. But hey, you got a 33-year-old quarterback. Uh, he's expensive, but he's great. And he's won a Super Bowl, never had an MVP vote, but he's played at that level for spurts of his career. Uh, it's it's hard to look at this any other way, despite how much they gave up as a win for the Broncos, who have been looking for this guy for such a long time. They've had the defense. They have the young stud running back in Javante Williams. That wide receiver room is unbelievable with Cortland Sutton, yeah. Tim Patrick. I mean, there's so many. And obviously, Jerry Judy, the first-round pick from two years ago, who we haven't seen much of just because of injuries. So much talent on that team. And to add Russell Wilson in that environment also, we got to talk about Mile High City with Denver. Russell Wilson, the best deep ball thrower in the, in the league. Good for them, it's, too. It's, it's, the, it's a beautiful thing. All at the least Broncos fans that are staying down for their team, you know, that's, that's a win for them right now. So happy for them. Um, yeah, they have the opportunity to have a real dynamic offense down in Denver. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, assuming Russ stays healthy. We, we saw him deal with some injuries last season. Um, and you saw how Seattle performed in the whole uh, in the season as a whole. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Denver. I'm excited to see if they can shake up the AFC West anymore. 
I thought it was uh, kind of funny uh, the way the news kind of broke because um, it's March 8th. So when I think of March 8th, uh, as in yesterday, um, when I think of Mar- the beginning of March, I think of uh, March Madness. And uh, here we are, beginning of March, getting massive, massive football news. And then uh, so it starts off with Aaron Rodgers officially committing to the, the Packers. And then the whole kind of year or slash last year, it was kind of rumored, you know, Rogers to the to the Broncos. And so with not even two hours goes by and then the, the Broncos are like, oh, yeah, yeah, we trade for Russell Wilson. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we want him the whole time. It's like, oh. so it's yeah, like, sure. Like Just a, the second Aaron Rodgers yeah. gets off the board, yeah, you trade it, for the other guy. But you wanted like a, him the whole time. It's like a, like a vindictive girlfriend where you're fighting and then they post on Twitter and you're like, oh, what the? Yeah, I was mad about the whole time. I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I want to go ahead and pivot to the AFC West, which Brandon brought up very, very shortly. That division is going to be unbelievable. Talk about four heavyweight teams. The Raiders made the playoffs last year. They're probably the worst team in the division at this point, just based off who they have at quarterback compared to those other three teams. The Chargers are one bad play away from winning every single week. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. And now the Broncos have Russell Wilson to go along with that supporting cast, who were still a very tough team to beat last year with subpar quarterback play through 17 weeks. Yeah. That division's going to be a dogfight, man. Arguably the best division in football right now. I I'd, I would say it went from the NFC West to the AFC West with one quarterback. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to argue against it. I mean, the worst quarterback in that division is Derek Carr, and he's what the yeah, it's crazy 12th or 13th that, right? best quarterback in the league i mean you're not going to put him in the back half of quarterbacks no matter how much of a hater you are towards Derek carr i'm yeah. i'm i'm a big Derek carr believer personally i think he's a solid to above average quarterback but i think if you i think putting him anywhere below that 12 13 range is where you start to talk a little crazy if you've got four top 12 quarterbacks in the division holy shit man <laughs> like it, it's a uh, it's crazy to think the difference between like the NFC East and that quarterback situation over there where really the only truly established guy is Dak Prescott versus the AFC West has four established veteran quarterbacks. Three of them look like they're on their have a Hall of Fame trajectory career going and the fourth one is a above average starter. It's it's nuts what they got going on over there on the West Coast. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be so fun to watch, man. I want football season to start right now. Um yeah, so I also thought it was kind of interesting uh to point out how uh, it, it seems like this offseason for uh, quarterbacks, how it's shaping up to be, uh, it just shows how important and imperative getting that difference maker at the quarterback position is. Um, maybe it's an insight to possibly what the quarterback prospects look like uh, coming out of the draft where teams are just like, we can't afford to miss our window. And it feels like the Broncos window is wide open and, getting a quarterback like Russell Wilson, I mean, it really puts a statement on what they want to do and where they hope they can hopefully go. Yeah. I think you look back at last year, just on that, on that note that you were talking about uh, with the draft, the Broncos very notoriously passed on Justin Fields with the ninth overall pick last year and took Sertan who ended up being great. And it obviously ends up working out for them because they end up with that franchise quarterback, but it did end up costing them a lot more than it would have been if they would have just maybe taken a gamble on one of those guys. But in the grand scheme of things with the roster and the position they were in this, this route makes a lot more sense. At least in my opinion, you go get the established guy. You have a lot of people on controllable deals, a lot of very good players on those controllable deals. So you go, you lock down the quarterback forfeit the draft picks. You already have the surrounding cast go out through your window, try to win some Super Bowls. It, it's it's easy to look at those picks and be like, oh, what if we draft this guy or what if we draft that guy? And it turns out to be an all pro. But when you have the, the ability to bring in a guy 
You do it. Not just a yeah. not just an average quarterback, a good quarterback, but a guy. Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl champion. He's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer at the end of his career. I think he has the second most pass yards through his first ten seasons in the history of the league, behind Peyton Manning. I think was the was the stat I heard earlier today. Just a bonkers level quarterback. You know, a guy that you do everything in your power to draft and get in the room. You go out, you get him for a couple of picks, and you move on. The the question I want to pose to you guys and let you guys kind of take the reins on this. In the AFC uh, powerhouse picture, where does this put the Broncos? Are they up there in the upper echelon with the Chiefs and the Bills? Or are they that tier below where you got teams like the Ravens and the Steelers if they get a quarterback? I, I'm curious what you guys think. I'm going to put them at tier two. So I, I might even put the Ravens up at the tier one right now. Um, but it's all going to depend. I mean, I, I got to see it in action first. It's It's fun to talk about. It's fun, you know, to have Russ in your city, but – we got to see it done first. I'm not ready to put him as a top caliber team yet, but I mean, it's you can't get any worse at quarterback than what you were last season. So it's definitely a major improvement and um, look for them to win some games. I think only uh, time will tell, but I don't see how you can put them ahead of some of the other AFC teams. Um, Chargers are up and coming. Uh, Chiefs, I mean, Chiefs are going to be Chiefs. Bills are up and coming. You have a lot of good AFC teams, Ravens. I would put um, those still ahead of the Broncos, but you're at least now in the conversation. As of like last year, I mean, they they had a good roster, but I mean, they were just missing. They were just missing that quarterback, and yeah. you can only go so far, you know, with subpar quarterback play, and then the playoffs come, and it's like you gotta. You got to have that position. Yeah, you really got to catch lightning in a bottle if you're going to have success at the highest level late in the year without a quarterback. You know, you think of a team like the, the Ravens back when they won with Joe Flacco. They had that incredible defense, mm-hmm. and they just kind of made it happen. The The Legion of Boom had Russ. They had a great defense, but they had Russ. It seems like a lot of these times when you look at the overarching theme of these teams that are consistently competing for championships and aren't just one-off champions like those Ravens were, it's that consistent, great quarterback play. Not through spurts where it's good one week, bad the next week, kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Carson Wentz type of player. Getting Russell Wilson, you're getting a bane of consistency. The problem is, is late in the season, Russ tends to die off just a little bit. The last two years, it's been especially egregious with that. These last two we- two years, if I had a drink every time I heard somebody say Russell Wilson never got an MVP vote and this was going to be the year, I would have been hammered by week three both years. It's yeah. It's been really brutal to watch the second half of the last two seasons. So that's really my only cause for concern. But I think I'd agree probably in that second tier is where I'd put those guys along with like the Bengals. I'd say the Ravens are still in that tier unless they prove they can stay healthy a little bit longer and win some more games. Even though the injuries are the main thing with the Ravens that I think that holds them back. A team like the Steelers, I think, fits in that tier. I think the Broncos fit comfortably with them. But if they come out in weeks one, two, three, four, and are just firing on all cylinders. Unless Russ falls off a cliff and we can expect that to continue, I think it's going to be hard to not seriously start talking about them as Super Bowl favorites or at least contenders. I have a question for both of you guys as I was kind of uh, thinking about this whole process. Um, last year, the Rams uh, went all out and went and got their guy in Stafford, mortgages the future with their draft picks. And then um, it's not as, I don't, Correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, but I feel like the Rams gave up more to get Stafford. Correct? They gave up three first and okay. offloaded Jared Goff's contract. Still, um, I feel like it, the question I had for you guys is: Do you feel like this is the new norm where well, you quarterbacks are? The, the Rams also have the best defensive player in the league on their team. They had a pretty sound defense and they're pretty established there, so it was probably easier of a decision to let go of 
what they had at the time. Yeah, I think I can't remember. Uh, at least in the recent history of uh, at least a top 10 quarterback uh, trading or getting traded, you know, prior to the season beginning. And um, do you think this is kind of the new norm that the Rams kind of set in motion where it's like, okay, who cares about the draft picks? They may or may not work, but we are going to get a guy that we know works. Do you guys feel like this is the new normal going forward? I definitely think depending on the team, the organization that or the organizational philosophy, that could definitely be a thing. The Rams don't give a shit about draft picks. They've yeah. made that very They've obvious. So I think a team like that where they have an aggressive GM, a head coach who doesn't care about any of that stuff, doesn't care about the future, they want to win now. I think those teams are going to be more than happy. And I think the big market teams that are going to spend a lot of money in free agency are probably going to be the guys who most uh who most veer towards that strategy even though that big market versus small market thing isn't the biggest deal in the nfl the aggressive gms are going to trade those guys are going to be the same guys who are aggressive and go out and sign these guys to big money deals if you're willing to bet on yourself and trade you'll bet on yourself in the free agent market that's the kind of rationale there but i don't know it's it's a hard thing to ask because when you trade away those draft picks your bread and butter what gets you job security as an nfl gm is getting a quarterback in the building and drafting well and then obviously making sure that those draft picks stay on the team through realistic contract extensions that aren't going to bankrupt the organization or blow your cap number up or anything like that, even though we know the cap doesn't actually matter at all based on what's happened with Aaron Rodgers. But I'm sure that's a topic we'll dig into at another time. But it's it's hard for me to say this is going to be the new normal because I think it's so circumstantial. But I definitely think it's something that we're going to see more of, especially in this new era of quarterback and player empowerment overall in all sports. But really, the NFL, it's really just start to set in where these quarterbacks are kind of taking ownership and saying, you know what, maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. And I'm willing to take that chance and bet on myself. And we've seen a lot more guys do that. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers was seriously contemplating that for two straight years. Matthew Stafford and now Russell Wilson. And who's Kyler gonna be Murray. The next guy. And Kyler Murray is starting to do that as well. <laughs> You missed out on the Kyler Murray talk last week. We had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. What do you think, Brandon? Uh, I'll just cap on what he said. I agree with pretty much everything he said. I think it can be, you know, a a style that's adapted throughout the league, but I don't think it's, you know, going to be everyone's go-to move just because everyone else is doing it. I think you kind of got to be in the situation, and and it depends on who you are. Is is the guy in the building? Are you aggressive? Do you want to do those types of things? Then, you know, like you said, it all just depends on who you are and where you're at. And speaking of aggressive, I'm going to pivot to something else. We're going to go ahead and move the direction over into the NBA. And this kid, Ja Morant, man, the epitome of aggressive. It's a real deal. That Grizzlies team has been a ton of fun to watch this year for anybody who's been following the NBA. Their meteoric rise this year from a good team into potentially what is a great team that's looking to make some noise in the playoffs has been a little bit shocking. And the Grizzlies, for my entire life, at least the majority of it, have kind of been an afterthought in the NBA. Historically, they've had some really good teams, but outside of 2013, 2012, 2013, I can't think of a year where they were a in a, a good, like a legitimately good or great team. I could, yeah. I could find years where they were average, where they weren't super bad. But this year is the first year of my life where I really feel like I'm watching a Grizzlies team that can compete for a championship. At least on the surface level, that's what it looks like. And I'm curious to see what you guys think if these Grizzlies, as Christian mentioned before the show, a great quote from J.J. Redick, is this team was talking about the Bulls, but I think it fits here as well. Are the Grizzlies a great story or are they a great team? And I'll go ahead and kick it to you guys and let you guys get the first thoughts in there. I'm asking myself the same thing. You know, I I can't really wrap my head around who they are and what they are. I know the record speaks for itself about 20-plus games, over 500 right now, and they're balling out home and away. Um, and they got this team chemistry that they play with. It, it's, it's weird. You know, it, it, the energy's buzzing in the building. Every time they play, they're out there having fun. Um, and it, 
they're probably the most fun team in basketball to watch right now. Um, but are they that team who's going to, you know, rise to the top and win a championship right now? I don't know. I can't answer that. I don't want to put an answer on that because it could go either yeah. way, honestly. You know, it could go either way. It's basketball. Um, but they're definitely a team that's that's opening some eyes right now, and, and they're going to be up there when playoffs come rolling around. Um, I kind of side with uh, – I feel like they're more of a good story this year than a great team. Um, if I've learned anything from the past decade of basketball watching LeBron – is uh, I feel like a lot of superstars kind of put it in neutral and they coast up until where it gets to the playoffs and then it's yeah, everybody's sure. all hands on deck. Um, but man, are they really fun to watch like during the regular season? Um, I still think they are missing maybe another superstar to kind of take some of that burden off, you know? Um, I think they, they just aren't going to compete with other teams like the Nets, the Sixers, um, even Golden State on the, I mean, just teams that have more superstars, more firepower that they can turn it on more when it, when they really need to. But during the regular season, like, I don't know if you can name me a more exciting, more fun team to watch every night, night in, night out, Jaws putting up, uh, that one full court pass where he was falling out of bounds and oh, catches yeah, and the ball the and just throw, throws up. He dunks on people. He's putting up half court shots, you know, just like he did last night with like one second left on the shot clock and he's throwing it. There's just not a more exciting and fun team to watch. So I'll be interested to see what they can do, but I'll side more on their good team or a good story rather than a good team. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go the opposite way. I, th- I think the Grizzlies have a legit shot this year. They're 45 and 22. They're second in the Western Conference, eight games behind the Sun, a half game up on the Warriors in the three seed. And I'll tell you why. We've seen over the last two years, one of them was a bubble season. You could take it with a grain of salt. I'm already on record saying I think the bubble is a harder place to play than a regular NBA arena. I stand by that. But think of the Miami Heat who went and played the Lakers in the finals in 2020. They're a team with no true superstars. Yeah, you can say Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are superstar-esque players, but they're not quite at that tier. They went to the finals. We think last year, who played against the who played against the Bucks? It was in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, who don't have a true superstar. Devin Booker, a superstar scorer, but maybe not a superstar player. He's a top 20 guy. I don't know if he's a top 10 guy. Chris Paul at this stage in his career, I'd probably say is around the same boat. If those two teams can get to the finals, I'm not saying the Grizzlies are going to win the championship this year, even that they'll even get there, but we've seen the last two years a team with no true superstar that's going to be ball dominant and really take over the game. They're playing good fundamental team basketball. Those teams are able to blow past these other teams when the superstars don't show up in these series and have the ability to get to the finals, and neither of them have closed it out, but they've they've both been really entertaining and fun series. And I think that the lesson in all of that is that you don't need the superstar in the way that you used to maybe in the NBA. These teams have gotten so much better and so much deeper. Uh, you think of the Nets before Kevin Durant got there. This is probably the trajectory they were going to if they let these guys continue to grow together. When these guys play together and they're really in it and they're all homegrown together the way that the Grizzlies are, they play for each other. They play harder. They play tougher minutes. They're more bound to hustle, die for the loose ball. It really just feels like the team gels better together when they're organically put together think of the warriors back when they won those 73 games that was an organically put together roster and they were absolutely incredible they were fun to watch they didn't really i mean obviously steph curry emerged as a superstar maybe the same way john moran is doing this year 
But that team was an organically homegrown, put-together team, just like this Grizzlies team is. And I have a couple of numbers that I want to go over with this Grizzlies squad. So in the last five minutes of the game, within five points, the NBA titles these clutch minutes. The last five minutes of the game where the score is within five points, the Grizzlies are 18-9 and nine in those games with the fourth-ranked offense, 10th-ranked defense, and sixth-best net rating of 11.2. So they're a very good late-game team when the game is on the line. That John Morant has also shot the third-most free throws in those minutes behind Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. So he's obviously getting to the line a lot, leading to a lot of easy buckets. Last year, the Grizzlies were the youngest team in a decade to make the playoffs. Their average age was 242 This year, their average age is 23.9, so they got even younger, and they've already won more games this year than they did last year. And also, and I think this is kind of a little bit of a side note, but they're kind of the opposite of what the Lakers are, right? The Lakers are a team that we've been talking about all year, like, oh, they'll put it together at the last minute. They're a bunch of old veterans. They've been there before. This is a team that's never been there before. They're a bunch of young, hungry dudes that just want to go out there, get buckets. They just want to ball, and they're doing it. Like, they play with heart, they play with fire, they play with intensity, and they're damn good. John Morant might be one of the 10 best players in the league at this point with the, the way he's... You can't sit a, here and say Devin Booker's I mean, the top come 10 on, player. dude. Ja is Look right at what he's Ja's having a crazy doing, season, man. Yeah, but you can't, you can't live short-term right now, that, dude. That's fine. If you, if we, we can say they're, they're about equal, but, I mean, John Morant, fringe top 10 player in his second year... The guy's he's averaging 27-6, 5. 5.8, 6.6 6 on 49% shooting. And like Christian said, walking highlight. He's like a dude. baby D. Rose in my I opinion. Have, yeah. Baby D. Rose, the perfect analogy. It's like it's Russell it's Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving in one player. Have like, you guys yeah. seen uh, the the comparisons to him to Allen Iverson? I've Ooh, seen a lot. I've yeah. seen him that compared to every yeah. So yeah. They like almost like the way Kobe mirrors MJ at times. It's almost like a similar wow. mirror of Allen Iverson. Oh, so mirroring. it's like video clips. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah, I, I can see, see it. They're both short dudes with bounce. They're both wiry athletes. Uh, he's he's been compared to everybody, and yeah. I think for good reason. For he good, has yeah, so many so many different things he does well: the finishing, the acrobatics in the air, the handle, the vision. How the he shooting is improving vastly. He's through almost thirty five percent from the three this year, making over one one bucket a night. He's just such an incredible player. I think if they don't take that step this year, I think it's definitely coming, and I think they're definitely going to be adding a superstar soon. Who's not going to want to play with John Morant? I think he's your favorite player's favorite player kind of a deal. Somebody's going to want to go there and play with that guy. Think of Kawhi Leonard. Think of Paul George. Both their contracts are potentially up at the end of the year if they opt out. Don't say that. (laughs) Um, Something to keep your eye on. But Another thing that's really impressive about Ja is um, how he handles all the the off-the-court kind of bullshit you know he's very mature in handling the way he handles the media how he handles all the people talking about him how he's how he's handled fame thus far um he's always kind of kept that chip on his shoulder underdog mentality that he came out of um murray state with and um i don't see that going anywhere anytime soon i think he's a dog he's got that dog in him and um he's gonna stay jaw for a while anything anything to say to that christian I think the the last thing we'll say is who would have thought two years ago when Zion was drafted first overall that that would have been the wrong pick and that this kid from Murray State, a mid-major school, two years in college, just a wiry little point guard, was going to be the guy who should have went number one overall in the draft and is potentially going to be the next big superstar at the one in the NBA. Now he's putting his damn arm in the rim every night. It's awesome, dude. (laughs) I I want to give a quick shout-out to my boy Uzi. Uh, Second game of the college basketball season of the year, John Morant got drafted. He looked at me, told me this kid's going to be special. He's going to go in the top five of the draft. Look out for him. I got to give a shout out. I've never heard a guy call a guy that was going to be this good that early. 
Uh, definitely impressive for him, and it's definitely been fun to watch the evolution of John Morant through these couple of years. Shout out, Uzi. So as we mentioned a little while ago, Aaron Rodgers is returning to Green Bay to be the Packers' starting quarterback. The yep. details of the contract have been announced by NFL Network, but Pat McAfee is very adamant that his report is correct and the deal hasn't been signed. Aaron Rodgers also came out and says that he hasn't signed a deal yet, so we don't know for how long or what the ramifications cap-wise are going to be for the Packers, but we do know that Aaron Rodgers is returning and Devontae Adams has signed the franchise tag, so he'll come back and make $20 million in a one-year contract next year. But Green Bay got the boys back together. Yeah. It's uh it feels like something we kind of all saw coming. Me and you both predicted he would stay last week when we talked about this, but still we gotta we gotta at least talk about it a little bit. Definitely felt like a foregone conclusion, but it is nice to see that this kind of drama is finally over. Hopefully at the end of this time, whatever it is, uh, if it's a three-year contract, two-year contract at the end is either a retirement, he makes a decision quickly, and we don't have to deal with all of this bullshit again because it was exhausting to deal with. Yeah. I wish he would have just came out and tweeted that he was staying two months ago, so we wouldn't have had to deal with all of this. If he doesn't have a Super Bowl in that time, I don't think anyone's going to give a crap on what he wants to do at the end of the new contract. Um, but yeah, um, maybe see him take a, a lower deal so he can bring more of his friends back and have a good old time in Green Bay. Um, best chance of winning, is, I think, is still in Green Bay rather than going somewhere else. So, you know, smart move. Um, drama filled for sure it was a saga but it's over and what we thought was going to happen happened um look to see the packers be the packers as a bears fan i was kind of hoping you would leave um so we stopped crying after (laughs) twice a year when they beat us into the ground um but realistically yeah realistically though uh it just seemed like the most uh logical uh way it was going to end because I mean, the Packers, although the ownership might be a pain in the ass in Aaron Rodgers' uh, perspective. The front uh, office, you mean? Yeah. Um, their team is just rock solid, top to bottom. I don't know even if you went to Denver or if there was another lo- or another spot that he could have landed that would have uh, gotten him a better roster. You know, They're just so talented all over the field. It just felt like uh, there would have been more uh damage than real uh anything good to come of it if he were to switch switch teams i mean if he's chasing super bowls which it's all about legacy at this point for him probably uh the packers is where i would want to be yeah that's what that's what brandon and i both said last week is the only move he's going to make at this point is a legacy move somewhere he thinks that he's going to go and have a better chance at winning a super bowl and if you leave a team that goes 13 and 3 13 and 3 and 13 and 4 and back to back to back years and you claim that you're leaving because you think you're going to be more successful somewhere else you're full of shit yeah. there, there was no situation even the denver broncos where he was going to find a better supporting cast than this one the issue has always been the cap and if they're able to navigate that the packers are going to be great again this year they're going to have their back-to-back mvp quarterback back they're gonna have probably the best wide receiver in the nfl at this point in Devontae adams back who knows who else they add or bring in if rogers takes a team-friendly contract that's certainly going to make things a lot easier and let him keep all those guys there but the packers are obviously going to win the nfc central or the nfc north next year they're going to be probably playing in the nfc championship game you look at the landscape of the nfc and it's wide open there's no reason to think that the packers aren't going to be a super bowl contender next year I'd argue their chances are probably better this year than before with Russ being out of the NFC and one less guy to possibly deal with. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, anytime you get in the playoffs, it's going to be tough. I don't 
think I'm going to grant them a free trip to the Super Bowl just yet. I'm not saying that, but they'll, uh, they're going to be one yeah, of the teams we talk about. they're going to be the team we talk about the whole season. You're right. Um, I mean, yeah, we kind of said it all last week. What happened is yeah. what, what we expected to happen. Um, another thing to cap on this, I forget who the player was, but the last time the Green Bay Packers put a tag on somebody, they won the Super Bowl. Hey, way back when. There's something there. So, um, yeah, way back when. You're right. I'll go ahead and tie a bow on this one, Christian, unless you got something to say. The the last thing I want to say is the Packers have had 30 years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and have won one two Super Bowls to show for it. So, I think yeah. they need to win one they in these next couple of years. They have to do it. Right? I, I think it's going to be hard to look back at this time in history and Packers history, which should be the greatest era of the franchise's history and not be at least a little bit jaded towards the quarterback play if you don't get a little bit more success at the at the top level. I mean, two and 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. Yeah. It's hard to stomach that. They yeah. even had a Bart Starr before Brett Favre came in, like a little bit before that, but three quarterbacks and um, the Bears just... We just want one, you know. <laughs> Please, God, give me one. I saw a video. I saw a TikTok of this this ninety one year old gentleman. He's a bear, lifelong Bears fan, and his his daughter or somebody told him Aaron Rodgers just resigned with the Packers, and he said, "Shit." <laughs> that was it it was awesome we're gonna go ahead and pivot to something that's a little bit less fun calvin ridley has been hit with a full season suspension for betting on games it is uh, alleged that he placed three parlays between november 23rd and november 28th of last season all on nfl games and all of those all three of those parlay, parlays he did select the falcons to win so he wasn't betting against his own team but nevertheless something that you're not allowed to do a stupid mistake and brandon i gotta say he is the worst gambler of all time turning a 1500 dollars gamble into an 11 million dollar loss yeah suspended for a year without pay he sacrifices the fifth year option on his contract which was worth 11 million dollars he's only earned 10 million dollars so far in his entire career so he was going to double his net worth in one season, he will now no longer be able to do that, mm. and it is tragic. And I really do feel bad for him. He was away from the team for mental health issues this last season. I truly hope that he's gotten the help that he needs and that he's in a better place. And this just has to be a gut punch for a guy who really seemed like he needed a win. It's it's tough, but at the end of the day, there are rules, there's consequences for your actions, and this is the price that you got to pay for what you did. Yeah, I, I want to know if those parlays hit. I, have we, I hope they did yeah for his sake come on give him the win um yeah and i think i could go on and on about you know the suspension and the hypocrisy surrounding the nfl and how they um you know deal with players who do break rules um i think we've seen a long string of you know, violence in the NFL, uh, specifically domestic violence in the NFL that, you know, players, it seems like they're getting a slap in the wrist, two games off, two week vacation, come back and play on the field. And then, um, but if you do something that, that is against the NFL firsthand, um, then you're out for the whole season and, and, and you're basically ridiculed. Um, I don't for one agree with it. I also don't agree with any NFL or any major league sports player gambling on the sport because if if you know even if it was him betting for the falcons to win and it was all in good spirit if we allow that what windows does it open up exactly for you know the rest of it um so i, I kind of have mixed emotions on it i don't think the dude deserves the full season no pay um it's not that big a deal 
Um, there's there's far bigger deals that, you know, bigger situations that have happened in the NFL that I think people just kind of let it go over their heads. Um, but, you know, it's not my decision. Uh, yeah, so a couple thoughts that I had um, that you kind of made me think of or rethink of when I first saw the news. Um, man, does it feel... Uh, it just feels like a really hefty punishment for something that probably was pretty innocent. And it was something that, because gambling nowadays is so easy. It's so convenient. It's so, you don't have to have a bookie. You just have to have an online account in some states, you know. Um, it's so easy. And if you're dealing with mental health stuff and you're just sitting at home and you have some friends over and everyone else is doing it, it can go, it can be so innocent where you just kind of, just had a, a brain fart and you just did something and you didn't think about it. Maybe who knows, uh, maybe he was partying with some friends and maybe he's a little bit intoxicated and just threw some, who knows, you know, but it seems it feels to me so innocent. And also thinking of how they punish other players for things that I would deem, uh, more egregious, like domestic violence issues. Um, players still get, they get a slap on the wrist, maybe a six game suspension, and then they're back to playing um, and earning money. Um, but I was also trying to look at it from a different perspective. Um, the NFL is a gargantuan of a business, and they get most of their money from their TV deals, uh, from commercials, uh, advertising. That's really where they make most of their money. Um, I think within the next decade, uh, sports betting will be so uh intertwined with the nfl that will overtake the the biggest bang that the nfl gets um it'll take over advertising it'll take over their tv deals um so i feel like the nfl knowing that they have to be so strict with their policy because you start questioning the bottom principle of are we really trying to win are players throwing the game and my god they might have some real issues so i feel like more than anything calvin ridley is they're just laying down the law and saying hey like if, if you guys if, if yeah he's he's the example um and they're really laying down the law like hey to all the other companies that are invested into the nfl them as a business like hey we're not tolerating this if the, if you do gamble like you're gonna get suspended the whole year no pay so i yeah. think the uh i think you guys both hit it on the head but at the end of the day, the NFL has a responsibility to itself to protect the integrity of the league. And I think it's ridiculous, just as much as you guys do, that guys like Ray Rice can get a two-game suspension for what he did. You can look back at all the domestic violence issues. Think back to Kareem Hunt, and I think he got six games. Mm -hmm. Ezekiel Elliott had an issue. I believe he got six, six games, games as well. And to go and to look at it in a vacuum and say sports gambling versus domestic violence, one is a 17-game suspension, one is a is a six-game suspension, or even a two-game suspension in the first case. It's a bad look. And it's, it's easy to look at that and think like, oh, it's 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 a false equivalency at, at the end of the day. And I think it's not, as, as weird as it is to say it's not fair to the NFL, the NFL has a responsibility to the people who own the franchises, to the fans, to the people that invest money through advertisements and things like that. The people that pay them, they have to protect the integrity of the game. And if you do something that potentially damages the shield of the NFL, they're going to come at you with everything they have. They're going to throw the phone book at you, the Holy yeah. Bible, the Word of God, whatever, whatever ability they have to strike you down they will do that and it's for the better of the game no matter how unfair it looks or how unfair it feels they had to do this because now every single time for the rest of calvin ridley's career fair or not 
if he finishes short of the sticks and it looks like he could have reached that ball over, somebody's going to think in the back of their mind, he must have taken the under on his yards or yeah. something like that. And that's the yeah. problem is because when you open that can of worms, it's impossible to put them back in. And if the NFL has an integrity problem, they're going to lose everything. And the owners, the commissioner, the players, the fans, none of us can have that. Yeah, I agree there. Almost immediately, too, I don't know if you guys noticed or went to Twitter when all this was going on, people were clowning on uh, Ridley. I mean, they should, having fun at him. But then, like, as the day got went on, you started seeing people uh, bring video clips together of Ridley where, like, he'll catch the ball yep. and then start. he'll go back 10 yards, like, to try to avoid the defenders. And they're like, oh, you know. And then, like, slowly as the day went on further, they went and started questioning other players, too. And it's like, that's where the issue is, is right there. Like, even though they put their foot down, like, and they put their foot down hard, um, even still, like, you're going to have people start to question. also think it's worth noting, too, the suspension was, it said, at least 17 games. Yep. At least. Yeah, it's so it's not definitive of how many games he's going to miss. It's just at least the season. So maybe he gets perma-banned. Who knows? You know, but I think like this is them setting an example of like, hey, if you're going to start messing with the integrity, like we got to, we got to like cut that out. Yeah, if there's one thing that professional sport, sports organizations are going to take seriously, it's insider gambling. Yeah. We saw what the MLB did with Pete Rose. He's banned for life from baseball. He'll probably never get into the Hall of Fame while he's still alive because of it. And now Calvin Ridley gets a 17-game suspension for $1,500 worth of wagers and games that he wasn't playing in where he bet on the team that pays him to win. It's a bad look for the NFL, but at the end of the day, it's hard to not understand where they're coming from. I think, the, I think what we all can say for certain is that we we wish Calvin Ridley the best going forward. Um, I hope that he has gotten the help he needs and is on the path to getting better. And if he if he isn't quite there yet, I hope very soon that he is on the right uh, on the right track. We're all rooting for you, Calvin. We yeah. hope you're doing better, and we look forward to seeing you hopefully in the 2023 football season. Yeah. We're gonna go ahead and pivot to our last topic of the day. We got to talk a little bit more about the NBA and the Brooklyn Nets are a bit of a weird situation. Hmm. Kyrie Irving's been a part-time player for all of the year. James yeah. Harden and him apparently absolutely hated each other. So they ship James Harden out. They get Ben Simmons back, who's a whole nother can of worms in an interesting situation that I'm sure we'll dive into when he's closer to making his debut. He's going to be on the court when they visit Philly in a couple of days. Stressful. That's going to be interesting to watch. Certainly something I'm going to be keeping my eye on. I'm definitely going to have that game on. And then obviously they have Kevin Durant, who's missed a lot of time with injuries. And right now they're trailing a little bit in the standings as I pull the standings up in front of me. They're currently sitting at the eight seed at 33 and 33, a perfect 500. And the question I want to pose to you guys is, are these Nets really a 500 team? Are they better than the sum of their parts that they've been so far? Are the superstars going to pull them up by their laurels and take them through the champion to the championship, through the playoffs, things like that? Or is it not going to be enough? Is Kyrie Irving as a part-time player not going to be enough? Is Kevin Durant hobbled not going to be enough? And I'm curious to think what you guys think, because like you said with the Grizzlies situation, I'm really not sure what to think of this team going forward. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. If you look at their roster, if you look at a picture of their roster, you say that team's going to win an NBA championship. If you look at their stats on paper, if you look at who they are you know, on paper, you're wondering if they're even going to make the playoffs. So it's hard to say. You know, We don't know who... Um, Brooklyn is as a whole right now. They haven't got all their guys on the floor, um, and they are dealing with hiccups. Um, I don't think midseason drama is is the best thing to have when you're on the hunt for um, a championship, but at the end of the day, you have 
one of the, if not the best player in basketball on your team, in Kevin Durant. Um, one of the best, if not the best in history. Yeah, I think it's, in it's a fair, a fair sure. statement. No Kevin doubt. Durant is one of the, the all-time greats, 100%. having him as a weapon. Yeah, exactly. So anytime you have him, um, you look for them to, to make an impact, especially down the stretch in the playoffs. Um, but it's it's really going to be interesting to see how it all uh, all falls apart. Like you said, they're at an even 500 right now, and that's – that's not where any – I don't think any of you guys thought that's where they'd be at this point in the season. Certainly I sh- not. I no. sure as hell didn't. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I can't really can't really say much else than that. I really don't know who they are either. Kind of like uh, what I mentioned earlier, uh, it kind of feels like the Nets are like the the standard where, when I was talking about just like kind of coasting until you can ma- just make the playoffs and then let's go balls to the wall. Um, I think with uh, Kyrie – uh, KD and Harden, what, didn't they have like a combined, like they only played all three together, like less than 10 games or something like that? I think it was like, like 13 or something okay. stupid low over the course of two seasons. Um, so if you just, now that Harden's gone, um, they haven't played with Ben Simmons yet. So that is a complete wild card. Maybe it doesn't work out at all, but even if it doesn't, like they've been playing without him anyways. Um, yeah. as long as you can get KD and Kyrie both healthy, both playing together, I've, it's, they're just both amazing players um but then like simmons is the ultimate wild card maybe he is a perfect piece that complements both of them um we just saw uh i think it was last night that uh Kyrie put up 50 and it was under 20 uh shooting attempts so just it just points to like sometimes i because with Kyrie, with his issues his off the court issues of um the vaccine and and the policies in brooklyn um you kind of, I at least, have kind of forgotten how great Kyrie is. Like, he's a great player, a great talent. Um, and then no one forgets about how good KD is. So how terrible would a, th- that matchup be if you're the number one seed and then you have to possibly play the Nets as your first? That wouldn't yeah. be something I would want, you know? Yeah, they're certainly going to be a, a matchup nightmare for whoever finishes in the one seed in the uh, in the East. Kyrie Irving's my favorite basketball player of all time. I just want to go ahead and throw a disclosure out there. When I was rooting for Cleveland before LeBron came back, Kyrie Irving was the only reason to watch Cleveland basketball for a couple of years. The handle is absolutely incredible. He can shoot it from anywhere. The acrobatic finishes are so fun. I've, I've never had more fun watching a basketball player than watching Kyrie Irving. So I, it's hard for me to not say that he's going to be able to turn it on in the playoffs. I think that policy where they're talking about where he has to be a part-time player because of the vaccine, there's a lot of talk that that's going to be lifted in time for the playoffs. So hopefully the Nets get him back as a full-time player and he's That'll able to huge. play home games in the playoffs. It's a totally ridiculous thing, politics of the vaccine aside, that he can't play in his home arena, but visiting players who are unvaccinated can come in there and play. It's, it's just a ridiculous thing. Just let him play regardless of what you think of all of the stuff that he's said and done or what you think of the vaccine personally for them to say the visiting players can come in and play and he can as a home player is just ridiculous. But moving on from that, like Kyrie watching him play against golden state in those 2016 finals, when he hit that big shot to win the championship for Cleveland, he's that caliber player every Mm -hmm. single night, probably one of the three most clutch players in NBA history. If you go look at the stats, every single metric will back that up. Kevin Durant, I look back and think about the buck series that they played last year, the nets and the bucks and how dominant he was 
all series long. And the Bucks ended up coming out on top, but Kevin Durant was dropping 45, 50-point performances every single night. Yeah. If you put those two guys in the court together, it's just like putting LeBron and Kyrie together. Like They were such an unstoppable duo. I have a hard time thinking when playoff time comes and the game gets slower and it gets more physical and skill is more prominent and more emphasized that this team isn't going to be able to come out on top against just about anybody that they play. The only teams that are going to stop them are going to be the big boys, teams like the Bucks, teams like the Suns, teams like the Warriors. I don't see Sixers. one of those teams like the Sixers. That would be a hell of an interesting series. I think the Nets actually got a lot better from that trade. You think about adding a guy like Seth Curry in there with those guys. They might have won the trade, actually. I, cer <laughs> I certainly feel like they did. Harden's been traded three times in two years. It's hard to not talk about something like that. But, but just at the core of it, I, I would probably lean that they're – true contenders more so than what they are that 33 and 33 but that's just based off of what i've seen in the past from these guys now if kevin yeah. durant is hobbled and he's not 100 percent healthy in the playoffs it changes everything yeah. if Kyrie can't Quickly. play it changes everything but those guys are just so good separately and you put them together on the same floor whatever ben simmons brings is just going to be added on to those guys they are the best i think big if you can call Kevin Durant a big the best big and guard combination that we've seen in a really really long time so uh to put your both of you guys' feet to the fire do you guys feel like they're more of a I feel like you kind of just answered it more of a contender or do you think they're more of a a team that's probably going to get bounced if they make the playoffs I'll, I'll lean I'll, lean, I'll definitely say contender yeah contender, uh, contender. any team that Kevin Durant's on I'm not yeah. gonna say they're just gonna get bounced yeah. I still have a hard time seeing them getting all the way uh to the finals um, but I feel like they're at, yeah, I feel like they're at least uh, getting out of the first round. Yeah, yeah, I, I I just don't know who in the East outside of the Bucks. I'll go ahead and pull the standings up really quick, and then we'll go ahead and wrap the show up right after this because we're running a little bit short on time. But if we look at the Eastern Conference uh, standings right now, we got the Heat in the one seed, the Sixers in the two, Bucks three, Bulls four, Celtics five, Cavs six, Raptors seven, Nets eight. How many teams in a seven-game series at full strength do we think can hang with the with the Nets? Bucks. I, the Bucks and that's the it. Sixers. I, I don't think I, don't, I, don't I'd have, I have to see there. more of Embiid and and, yeah. and uh, Harden together. I love that pairing. I, I think the skill sets complement each other well. But Kyrie and and Kevin Durant over Harden and, and Joel. Plus, you add in the fact that they got Ben Simmons in too. They got the Sixers' best shooter back in that trade. I don't know. I have a hard time believing anything can happen in a seven game series. Crazier shits happen for sure. But if you got my feet to the fire gun to my head, I think I got to go with the, with the, give Nets me with dollar. <laughs> Rest in peace to Max Kellerman on first take, man. That guy was an absolute legend. Well, I think we've exhausted everything from a very busy couple of days in sports. Yeah. Really. A lot of the stuff we talked about is super, super fresh. Uh, can't thank you guys enough for coming over. Can't thank you guys enough for letting us into your home and listening to us crazy idiots yeah, for an hour tonight. Thanks, uh, we appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week. See you. See you. <laughs>